I wouldn't be surprised. Isn't Emin gonna be somehow caught up in like the Paul Manafort? <laughs> like, don't you think like he's, Paul Manafort is like, somehow sheltering some of his his or his dad's money? You know? Yeah, this is um, the song that we used to like. Our first, the first couple episodes that we had with music was over this song, um, which is "In Another Life" by Emin. And uh, of course, at the end of the episode, we used to put the. Um, uh, like Donald Trump part of the video where have you ever seen it? Yeah. I have never seen it. Oh, it's pretty it, great. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's the video that Trump uh, made when he went to Russia in like 2013 or something. And um, but it's not the P tape. No, it's no, it's separate from that. <laughs> it's a it's a different video that was made. Less okay. money went into the creation of this video. Tangential. Yeah. To the that P-tape. video. Um, he basically just yells at an oligarch's son for being <laughs> lazy because the whole premise of the video is he's like daydreaming in like a boardroom or whatever. And in then, a our life. <laughs> and singing pretty <laughs> terribly, and then it's just like very t- very typical Eastern European kind of like beat like uh, dance music. And then, um, well, yeah, like, and though he's, oh yeah, and he's like walking through, <laughs> and it's all Miss Universe contestants, I think, that are like he's daydreaming about, that are like, it's, yeah, like, oh and then, or like sleeping in in this boardroom, and then like, and then all of a sudden you're, Emin, wake up, you're a bum, you're lazy, you never pay attention, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And it's like this a Russian oligarchs kid's dream is to become like <laughs> a su- like he just became like a Eastern European pop star like EDM pop star who also got yelled at by Donald Trump <laughs> like that was like that was his conception for this video <laughs> yeah. here let's just play it now here. wake him up right now Emin wake up come on What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you, Emin? Emin, let's get with it. You're always late. You're just another pretty face. I'm really tired of you. You're fired. Yeah, and that's Go how. That's Emin how. Does like, have a cute face. Yeah, he's good. He's, cute. No, he's he cute. doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's cute. I only saw him for about two seconds, but he looked pretty. I cute. mean, he's the product of like selective breeding, you know. <laughs> so, like, oh maybe shit! He well, now I feel really guilty. Well, because well, well, just because I forget which <laughs> I forget which market his dad cornered like after the, <laughs> like, you know what I mean because that was the whole like there was there was like essentially 10 guys who understood capitalism at the end of the Soviet <laughs> Union and they're right. all like essentially running the country now sure. and so like because there's like okay everyone just divide and conquer we'll all just conquer certain like you are the gas guy and you are the nickel mining guy and he, like that's it right he cornered uh, the market on sperms probably oh yeah maybe <laughs> Uh, that's how we got we got such a handsome boy in Emin. <laughs> anyway, um, should we do an, uh, is the unboxing video portion for now? Yeah, well, let's uh, introduce the show first. Oh, yeah, let's uh, do that. So you guys are listening to the penultimate planned episode of Infinity License. This is Infinity License episode 49. Yay. Who, are, who, is, the, who is speaking right now? I'm Leonard DeFranco. And I'm Brian Pisano, and we're here with a returning guest. Oh, that's me, Cat Green. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so this is like... If you're hearing this, our live show is very soon. It's on Saturday, August 18th at Bluebird in Brooklyn on yeah. Flatbush Avenue. Please come out at 7 o'clock. Everyone go, because I can't go. I know, yeah. please do. Yeah, can't if you go got almost. a wedding, don't go to it. I know Cat's going to go instead. <laughs> Probably a better idea. You're going to another Cat's wedding. There's too many Cats involved there. It's true. And I'm going to Idaho to do it. I know. So. Oh my God. You're going with the other... The, the Idaho is a weird... There's like a weird cultural elite that exists in Idaho, isn't it? Like Sun Valley, for some reason, is this like powerhouse of like it's like one of the, among like Jackson Hole and those kind of places in the West that just like all all of a sudden like a lot of rich people just 
It's pla- true. Well, your it's flag the, out there. It's, um, it's a ski town. I guess right? that's right. It's like the new Aspen. Jackson well, Hole, Wyoming? No. Uh, oh, Su- Sun, uh, Sun Valley. Valley. Yeah, it's the same uh, kind of principle, though. It's like really beautiful, mm-hmm. really nice skiing. So all the rich people are like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Are they from Idaho? Or are they like spud money? Oh, no, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> they got the, that potato money. <laughs> the uh, groom's family skis there, and they're from St. Louis. Oh, my so God. So they're super... In the Midwest, and then Kat's family is from. She's gonna be like, "Why did you?" We can do this we can we can do this. Um, but Kat's <laughs> family is from San Francisco, yeah. so it's a good midway point for their families, and it's only hard to get to for all her and the bride and groom and all of her friends. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> awesome! Nice. I had to go to Wichita for a wedding. That was terrible. Uh, Ooh, this sounds what like is be more Wichita, fun. Kansas, like. What's uh, Kansas? Like? Yeah, Kansas. What's is, the matter with that state? Kansas you, is best described by its <laughs> flag. Which is a picture of the rolling field with like a plow on it, and then under it the word Kansas. Written. <laughs> I thought you were gonna be like it's red. No, the flag is bleeding color. There is no bleeding Kansas. <laughs> yeah, essentially, um, it kind of makes you wonder why the Native Americans were surprised that we figured out how to parcel out land because there's nothing else you can do with it. Like. It's a chessboard. It, it's just flat. There's nothing there. Wichita's main attraction is a bridge that is like a railroad bridge. Yeah. And so you can go to look at the bridge, um, and that's it. Um, I know all I know about Kansas because as a child, I really enjoyed the movie Twister. Yeah. Fantastic that movie film. was. You know how that movie misled me? It no. made me think that. <laughs> well, you're a movie buff. I thought was a real job. I thought you knew all the facts about movies. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly about Twister. Uh, I could quote Twister to you. I won't, but I could. Which Bill is in that movie? Paxton, obviously. R.I.P. Okay. Didn't he die recently? He did. Yeah, I know. That's sad. The aliens finally got him. I know. I um, know. That's Bill Pullman. Yeah, Damn it. you blew it. Yeah. After uh, testing me, Bill Pullman. Did you just hear this? That's fucking male. Uh, that movie. Piss. Paxton <laughs> is more the working class kind of guy. Pil- Pullman is the presidential handsome guy. He's the Jamie Dimon. Mm, okay, uh, I, I think so. They're both real mid-level bills. <laughs> I think, yeah, I guess on so. On a scale the, from the, like the one dollar to the pr- former president, <laughs> <laughs> they are definitely mid-tier bills. Yeah, um, I feel like. Bill- Man, a lot, there's a lot of problematic bills, too. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't Bill think Clinton's allowed to be that high anymore. Yeah, I know. Oh, he's he, well, he's gotten high, trust me. Um, yeah. <laughs> and if, not on, if not by not inhaling, then on the lowly to express with yeah. Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Um, oh, no. Again, back to what Cat <laughs> was, was talking about, how we are just not afraid to just go after to- topics like that from the right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, from the jump, I was like, oh, shit. You're well, immediately talking about Sandy Hook truthers. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so, uh, well, wait, just to close loop on that the, the it, twister showed me told me that a leather was stronger than like a chain Do you oh, yeah. and, and i think that's not true anymore well that's but the thing though they were attached to a pipe that was right buried, but buried why but i think they like discarded a chain because the leather was stronger or something at the end also they would have gotten killed by debris Listen. anyway <laughs> Listen, <laughs> their love was strong enough just to <laughs> right. tornado okay and the relationship he was in to start with I just have the vivid memory from the the <laughs> beginning of the movie where the dad gets like just sucked away, like he's holding oh, yeah. onto the door. That's like that's oh, the only no, part of that. That movie. is that's the impetus the of Helen Hunt's character. <laughs> yeah. She's yeah. halfway through. She does this the whole monologue about how it's personal with her and Twister <laughs> because it skipped a bunch of houses and came after her own dad. <laughs> there should have been a scene where Helen Hunt was just firing like a machine gun into the Twister, <laughs> like Rocky, <laughs> like like uh, what's it called Rambo style, just like <laughs> bandana and just like. 
it's like unloading bullets into a twister. No, it's also no. kind of funny that like white people need to invent like mercenary twisters to be the thing that terrorizes their family <laughs> and kills their father. Yeah, like like skips the other houses like you know Passover style and like heads for, like. Black people just have that was an actual human who just didn't go to jail for that crime that, <laughs> that did that. Um, um, anyway, uh, so <laughs> that, holy well, shit! No, and also now I was thinking Bill Paxton in that movie and yeah. R.I.P. Philip Seymour Hoffman also. In that well, movie. yeah, yeah. he gives a really yeah. beautiful speech about the suck zone. The suck zone. He <laughs> says it like that. The suck. Is he doing it? Does he do? Am I thinking of uh, Jurassic Park where he like leans over and does like a semi-erotic like demonstration of it? I think that's Jeff Goldblum. He's talking about like, well, he, he does. Twister. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. that's definitely Jurassic Park. But in uh, Twister, where he like dips his fingers gently in water or something, and like no, no that's, oh, that's that's Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Philip Seymour Hoffman talks about the suck zone in a weirdly slow. I guess <laughs> <laughs> it's not erotic, but I think that's what he was going for because he's hitting on Bill Paxton's girlfriend. Was uh, he also? Wait, do you think he was clean at clean at that point, Helen or do you think Hunt he was just like not in the middle of a heroin nod off, <laughs> and that's that was his acting choice, as indicated by his? It really could have been. Yeah. His character name was Dusty, which Dusty. doesn't bode well. Oh my no. god. Um, uh, yeah, so how many minutes can we fill up of our uh, like emotional <laughs> retrospective Look, episode? I think honestly, commentary. I think we should. Well, honestly, this is actually a good. Let's a just good go for it, guys. Who cares at this point? You know, this is the last That's one. True. Uh, like, Fuck the, it. We don't even have to edit this. episode. We tried to like yeah. uh, halfway through. We were like trying to be really disappointed, being like, "Let's just do this at like let's keep it to forty five minutes or fifty yeah, minutes." No, now it's like, this. We, we we got a lot of content. We to don't cover. know how you many more of these episodes it. we're gonna do. Okay. Yeah. At what? Thank you, Ken. What now does it matter? What is that? Is that what Hillary said? Yeah. Exactly. What? What at this point? What does it matter? At this what, point, it, what does it matter? No, yeah. we're is that, wait, hold on. Is that what, is she, that said, what she said? Or was it? Um, if I did it, <laughs> <laughs> this is how, this I, is how I, would I would do it. it. If <laughs> I did it, I got that book from my dad for Christmas one year. Uh, it was uh, it was commandeered. The, the judge ordered it. Uh, the like publishing rights to be given over to Ron Goldman's family. Yeah, Aww. and so they printed it with. Um, uh, whatever. There's some of Define Life. It says... Uh, no, I, no, 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 he, he, he no. Ron Goldman was Yeah, that's dead. not part of his life. That's how death works. Uh, I guess... Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's but like also, the bracket. That's the bracket but sucked, the but new, I'm sure he was the, living a fun so life. So because they have control of it, they still print it and get the royalties from the, from it, but they also sell it as the printing says mostly... It just like, just, I, I did, did it, it yeah. and then like, if I... It, like, Brian, it, like, yeah. it's like an, it's, Would you rather live the life of Ron Goldman, uh, actor's life, banging Nicole Brown Simpson... Uh, and then die that way, or would you rather live your life and die a normal way? Live my life and die a normal way. I don't know. <laughs> like, you, only, you, you could die tomorrow. I don't know. No, it sounded like. Ter- Did you watch the whole? It sounded like OJ was terrorizing them for like years. Yeah, uh, it was he like, was because he was. It, a yeah, he was a horrible psychopath. Like yeah. it's it like not only. It wasn't like one day OJ just snapped. It was like a long like yeah, string of abuse and violence. Yeah, like, yeah, but was, he, was he beating up Ron Goldman the whole time? I'm sure. He I was, don't know how long they were dating. To be honest, I think it was a secret thing. All of the, the people versus OJ. No, well, yeah, the, all he, of that, and of, and the the ESPN one. Being OJ, he called? no, it's called. Um, <laughs> Has anyone made my being life is OJ? OJ. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this episode is going to go an Make hour it, and a goddamn half. <laughs> Making the juice, the <laughs> juice. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I know. No, but it was like I mean no, because it's like I mean. No, hundred percent. No, I would not want that. Like, I mean, poor Nicole Brown Simpson had like also was the terrorized. Is, the like, she's you're, a, like, a, you're, like you're ignoring the I, the possibility that you might still die in a way like that. Yeah, you're just not living as good. I a have life. a pretty good Holy life, man. Shit. I have like cat. <laughs> how do you are you? Are you a hard no? 
I, mm, I'm a hard no. And you know why? Because I can't stand actors. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's true. Which is <laughs> ironic for you because you work in the film industry. I know. <laughs> You're an insider, as I called you once. <laughs> well, I How think typical Hollywood insider. was just insider. <laughs> oh, 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 that's getting cut. <laughs> so graphic. <laughs> you know, you can no, we're not editing this. Leave it in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. No, I don't have to hang out with actors. Almost ever. They're, they're barely around for the post part. I get to see them around sort of sometimes, but I don't have to do that thing where you talk to them. And um, one day when Caitlin is uh, liberated of her obligatory silence, yeah. <laughs> she uh, interned in college for a talent agency because she thought she was going to try and be like a talent manager. Oh, cool. So she has some really choice stories of a handful of actors doing incredibly stupid things. Nice. Mm-hmm. No, I feel uh, like I can't share them because yeah, it's unfair because they're very funny. We'll hear that. And they're at, not mine. In the post, <laughs> when we go get dinner and some beers and stuff like that, we'll do that <laughs> afterwards. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, I, know, I don't want to bite on Breen's content. but um, And uh, the reason that we would do that is because uh, basically the part of the reason that uh, Kat, in addition to being, I'll just say, our best guest that we've ever had, it's true. You earned that oh, title. Yeah. Uh, although I like, let's see, who else is really good? John Light has always been great. Tom McKay was great. Tom was great. Um, uh, Steindor was great. Steindor was great. Lance uh, is awesome. Actually, Lance all of our guests are pretty I was awesome. Yeah. Say, ben, you better go through all of them now. Yeah, no, I know. Ben, ben <laughs> like just takes over. He's great. Ben like, is great, but we can also shit on Ben because we. Like that's true. Well, Ben's <laughs> about to shit on us too. Exactly. At the live show. Uh, ben is slated to do a roast uh, of me. Are you going to have someone do a roast? Yeah, of I think you? I'm going to have my sister do it. Okay. Yeah. Um, she <laughs> better be really mean because Ben is. I think my sister. <laughs> my, my sister. <laughs> Emily, Gotta hold up. My sister. Emily, my little sister Emily. She's ten years my junior and is also like kind of terrifying. Like she's going to run like some kind of like she seems like she's like she's going to run some department and is going to be like she's that's like my she's gonna, she's going to be like HBIC, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, <laughs> like she's historically r- black intermediate college. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or head boss in charge. Right. <laughs> she's going to ruin your life. Yeah, probably. Or cool. actually, you know, I hope she makes a lot of money and I can just be the deadbeat brother. Yeah. I what? think what oh, we should talk about on before we get into like the party <laughs> and all that stuff, I want to talk about like because the whole thing is going to be like, because Kat is, and, and Breen are launching into podcasting yeah. soon. So we, we are going to try to impart some wisdom right. or what we've learned or just have a discussion about what we've learned. It, it's a spinoff. It's like uh, like we have a successful franchise. We're Cheers, you're Frasier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or didn't Balky from Perfect Strangers get his own show? He should have. Maybe that's what I'm confused by. I don't know. Uh, anyway, you're like Balky, <laughs> except for this time you did get your own show. It's like Laverne and Shirley from Happy Days. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, uh, yeah, so, or, um, yeah. So Private practice from Grey's Anatomy. Nice. Yeah. They made a Grey's Anatomy. Sp- Isn't Grey's Anatomy still on? It is. God damn it. You're that started so- when we were in high school, you know. Really? Did yeah, you hear that? I watched it, the first season. IRL, um, Ellen Pompeo uh, had a falling out with Pat, Dr. McSexy because she said that he was not standing up for her when there was when he was getting paid more. Yes, that's true. Oh, I thought it was that so he was gonna not standing up for the national anthem. She stands with Kaepernick. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Uh. No, which is, by the way, completely fucking insane that she wasn't getting paid as much as that guy. You know, it's funny. It happens a lot. I know. (laughs) It just doesn't make any sense. Like, I can kind of understand it in the shameless. You know, like oh, for Amy Amy Rossum. Yeah, because yeah, but what's his face is a stand-up guy. Everyone always loves him. William H. Macy? Yes, thank you. I was yeah, thinking of his wife, Felicity Huffman. I almost called him Mr. Huffman. <laughs> and you should in this context. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in that show, which I've seen one episode of, uh, 
yeah, I mean, like, I think he's more established going into it. I can understand why that was the case, but anyway. Yeah. Um, so you're spinning off uh, from the Infinity <laughs> License, and you and Breen are considering doing your own podcast. And so uh, being that Brian and I are formally wrapping up the, the run of this show, we've completed 50 episodes uh, as of uh, Sunday when we do our live show. Uh, and we'll probably do some off and on after that, but like it'll be on no it'll, one's schedule. It'll be a new f- new format, I think. New f- we'll yeah, we'll just also we might use this channel for a different projects yeah. and that kind of stuff. Uh, but so. this is the end of like our like we said we were gonna do this many episodes and we're we've done it now. And I didn't think either of us thought we were going to a year yeah, ago. In over, I don't know if we actually set the hard deadline of a year. But we, I think at first we did say we were going to do this in a new year, and we came just over two months, which is pretty good. I think we missed our, our target by two months, which is, I think... No, we started this. We've been doing this for over a year. I know, that's what I'm saying. So we, we went over we went over. Oh, we exceeded months. our yeah. expectations. Oh, hell yeah. I no, no, just no. don't know what that feels like. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's why I'm so confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hard um, to recognize. Yeah. yeah. So we figured that uh, to kind of like do a, a pre-live show, pre-finale retrospective over some of the podcast and just like... Do do like a, a to take a trip down sort of memory lane, um, you know, and and offer some some words of wisdom to our to. Well, to and we'd also ask Cat like probably about stuff that you're you're going to what you you're thinking about when you guys do your podcast. Sure. So if you want to talk about it on air, yeah. yeah. All right, cool. But let's do let's do the unboxing first. So we have gifts for our last, and then actually yeah. we can share one of the gifts I think with Cat as our as our. Our guest. Wait, do you want to do? Do you want to do the hearing hear about our first episode first? Because we were going to talk. about Oh yeah, let's do that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, and so you actually listened to our first episode today, I did. and I'm very curious what. Was yeah, Lenny. When about the last time we've listened to it was probably a, at least. A yeah. Year oh yeah. Ago. I didn't <laughs> listen to that shit again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I don't know. My first impression of it was how much better the sound quality got. Yeah. Well, yep. we didn't have microphones. So that, <laughs> that really uh, that really stood out. Right. I don't even think. I think that. When we started doing it, it was obviously just using the laptop microphone, and I think it might have been facing Brian. Like the innovation <laughs> of rotating the computer so that yeah. it was at least even was like after that. It was facing a weird way. Yeah. I don't know if it was just facing me, but I think we figured it out even mid episode or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It, so it might have been a shift in change. It had like, that great like empty room echo. Yeah, just it. bounce sound just bouncing everywhere, <laughs> which was actually I, I thought was beneficial too because I had to speak up to be heard. Right, and I ended up saying like less, which has been the bane of my podcast life. So um, I possibly should just go back to speaking to a room like <laughs> yeah. if I ever you do this again. You were both very articulate. Interesting. Because I feel like we... <laughs> no, I was surprised at that because yeah, all, all I could think was that uh, the first time out, you wouldn't be able to help yourselves, you know? You got a lot to say. Yeah, well, we definitely <laughs> did. We've, we've been storing it up for a while. And then that was... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, part of the reason we started doing this too is because we just have natural conversations. I mean, the thing that like, you know, listeners either do or don't know is that like... Before and after the show starts recording, we're just having the same, continuing the same conversation, basically. Yeah. Uh, and, well, it was funny because we, I guess the reason, one of the impetuses for starting the podcast was that, hey, Donald Trump was elected president. So we're like, well, who cares at this point? Like, well, like, what, like, what are we going to do? Why don't we just Talking try? Talking is over. Yeah. And so why don't we just, if we're going to try to do something, let's do something. But also, it was hilarious to us that, like, Lenny and I, like, we were a deep cut Infowars like watchers from college because we were like this is hilarious like this is insane like we were on the tip of Infowars when it was and we were like observing how Infowars had gotten like their budget had just exploded like the qu- quality of an Infowars video in the past decade 
has gone from just like Alex Jones screaming into a tin can in like a weird studio in Austin, <laughs> Texas, to like a almost looks like a professional. It, it is essentially a professional te- television studio. Yeah. And then you're cat. You're saying how you're like that. That you. Well, first, it, uh, let me say that it it horrifies me how proud you are. No, I, well, we're proud. <laughs> well, I guess we were proud that we were like we were both like. So this is crazy that this guy who we used to just laugh at and right. think is just like a, a clown ended up getting he, yeah he, he ended up having the same relationship as like some you know conservative intellectual in the mid century yeah like had Steven to, Seagal <laughs> <laughs> the true conservative intellectual yeah. <laughs> closest thing they have um, the, you know true intellectuals wear moo's a hundred percent of the time <laughs> and um those tiny. Like colorful lensed glasses. I do, yes, oh, yeah. I, I appreciate the glasses. <laughs> Not like Bono. Bono has an eye condition. That's true. Steven Seagal just thinks it's that's, cool. That's Steven Seagal's really glasses, glasses. Yeah. apiculate to a really improbable point on his face. Like <laughs> I don't know how they make glasses that they must be custom hinges that just extend out at like a forty degree angle <laughs> on his head. But it looks like it's like they just. Cu- it looks like Mount Rushmore. Like they just cut off the front of his face and like. Yeah, yeah Matt, he is truly hideous. That's yeah. correct. <laughs> Mad TV was <laughs> ahead of uh, Mad TV. I was I'm a huge like I was a big Mad TV late '90s kind of guy, and I think it's yeah. way better than a lot I of SNL agreed. sketches. Yeah, agreed. Um, but like the best were the Will Sasso, Sasso Steven Seagal's, <laughs> which were like some of the are some still those hold up. Go on YouTube and watch those. Those are really funny, and especially now he that just like, goes and cracks people's necks. Yeah, who just go and like snap people's necks. And there's actually <laughs> a lot of people that are. Like some like Andy Daly's in a lot of uh, Mad TV sketches. That, I mean, he was a cast member for a while, but he just would snap people's necks, and he'd do this hilarious run. But it was like they were ahead of the tip of making fun of Steven Seagal for like the insane weird person that he is. Yeah. Yeah, that guy's super whack. Yeah, he's whack, and now he's back again. Also, in the prom- him and Alex Jones are prominently influencing our today's politics. So horrifying. So they yeah. have with Alex Jones today too. Yeah, they took down all of his uh, programming from YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. Is it because they those companies changed their policy that they could do that? I, I'm not sure if they changed it as much as they're maybe upholding something that's already been there. Uh, um, I know that it is about violating terms in terms of like <laughs> terms, terms, um, yeah. mostly for hate speech. Yeah. And that, being a that's general bullshit. piece of shit. That's bullshit. They shouldn't. I, I hate the fact that they took his stuff down. Like I saw I was reading an article earlier today about how Facebook should own up to its responsibility to, you know, as a information purveyor and take down InfoWars stuff and they refused to and it was controversial. But people need to grow up. Like I have as Brian just mentioned, like we've been following InfoWars InfoWars for a while. And to get to the point where it's not hate speech. To and and I don't care how much people cite the the Sandy Hook things. He has says so many stupid things. You can't cite, like, j- the, the idea that, like, people are like, well, he said that the parents didn't suffer because it was a false flag, so it's bad information. Of course it's bad information. But whose role is it to suss out what is good information? You do not need the paternalistic hand of Mark Zuckerberg or anyone working for Google or anything. to st- If you can't tell that that's bad information, you deserve to have bad information. And that's the way our society is constructed, and that's the way it needs to be constructed. Because InfoWars, for as much bad stuff as it has, also has some stuff that I've, like... Like, for example, it had what, at the time, seemed like the most complete explanation for why Russia invaded Crimea. It was, like... And I'm sure it was wrong information, but I, I Googled around. I wrote an Infinity License blog post about uh, it, and I couldn't find any other really news site that was covering it. I feel the same way about like Zero Hedge, which is like a nihilistic. But the Zero I, Hedge and is I hate also the, just like 
I, I hate know, the politics kinda... of it, and it's and it's a lot of it's bad information. But the point is, a lot of information is on like you can't just trust the veracity, offload the, the responsibility of deciding the veracity of something, tune out uh, to someone else. You need to apply critical thinking. The New York Times gets stuff wrong sometimes, and I'm not equating it with InfoWars in the slightest, but we, I hate the idea that people are not, sh- cannot be trusted to figure out what's good and what's bad information themselves. Uh, I don't know. I kind of disagree. And giving it over to, and, and if, you know what, if it was like a ProPublica type, like, public advocacy group or something that was designated in charge of deciding what was good information or bad or like a Snopes type thing, fine. But to then give control over to these mega corporations that already control the way we think, I, I don't... Well, then, so then I guess that's the question then. It's like, well, then... Yeah, so so at what point then, if YouTube or whatever or Facebook had been nationalized, then you would say then they'd... Would the same decision have been made? You know what I mean? Like, would the... like. If it were more up to, if it was a public sphere like owned space, you know, like okay, we agree that like YouTube and Facebook are this like public, like if Alex digital PBS, <laughs> yeah, like, like or something like that. I don't know because that would change the game, right? Like the, right now, Remember Facebook pu- and YouTube are just companies that sell our data for ad space or whatever it is that they do, like to control our lives, you know. <laughs> but like I don't know. There's also something to be said about like like look at the factors of like the inputs for technology that we have, like to create content like like I said even the infowars like professional studio they have is a product of the modern time because it's just so easy to get this equipment i mean we it was so easy for us to get equipment now it could be like in 5 years we could be living in a future where creating very believable fake content could be the accessible to us to anyone like we could essentially have a voice modulator that i could just like have one sample of your voice and then just like t- i could speak okay. i'm cat green like yeah that. exactly yeah no, they that. are there's yeah. all of this stuff but so then so the, even more Obama so then right yeah, uh, yeah even more so then that the idea of having a gatekeeper of information that is one and the same as the entity that's disseminating the information is terrifying. How will you know what's real? Well, How then, will they know what's real? Or I not? guess they, but the difference is that like, okay, so Alex Jones could still, his content could still, he can find a way to distribute that other than YouTube. Like there's a way to do it. Like he's no, nobody's stopping him from just making a video and posting it on AlexJones.com. You know, right. like, and that's, just using and the technology that you have to create videos and pl- embed a video player. You'd probably have to find a different one than like, than YouTube, but like you could still do it. Like it's and like, that's Twitter's fundamental argument with why they haven't like silenced. I mean, Trump it has to be violating the terms of service. He declares nuclear war every other day on his <laughs> platform. Yeah. You know, like, but they're saying their, their philosophy, and I'm sure some of it's based in, you know, usership, and they ha- could, you could not imagine a better advertisement for the product itself. But it's going to come out another way, you know, if they shut it down. So, like, contend with the epistemological problem in front of you. Don't just, like, silence stuff. It, it does, it's not, that's not a solution. I just wonder, uh, that then, it's just, and sorry, I feel like, I just, I'm stepping on you, but I just wonder, it's just like, I think we're just all too dumb for it. It's like, the, we got the internet ahead of, like, when we were ready for it, I think. But, and but like, misinformation has always no existed. Laws, laws it, apply to the internet. Right. Uh, you can not enforce virtually anything that's done online. Yeah. There, there are very few real-life consequences. I mean, you just think of something like revenge porn. There's, like, oh, it's, Jesus, there's yeah. laws in the books in maybe two states yeah. and you otherwise it's like I mean you, police officers still use fax machines yeah. almost all yeah. of them yeah. do yeah. <laughs> like, like bureau yeah. to bureau but I'm pretty divided on this uh, in general because all I can think about is the you know I, I particularly think about the youngest Sandy Hook victim his dad yeah. who um, 
who contends daily with a barrage of people telling him that his son didn't exist in the first place. And like, that's so ugly and that's so wrong, but I don't know what the answer is because that shouldn't happen. But also I agree with you that the idea that anyone could be policing this information before it gets to us starts to sound um, pretty dangerous. You know, like ultimately you have to ask the question, why is it that so many people don't like think that that kid didn't exist? Like, why is it that so many people don't believe in climate change? Like, what is the root of the epistemological crisis that we're in? Mental illness. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. I think there's a I mean, look, if you listen to Rush Limbaugh, he his whole thing has always been, you know, they're lying to you. I'm not lying to you. You know, and like it just didn't get as wide of as distribution. Uh, and that is something that the internet has done, but arguably the internet has just made this stuff, you know, more easily accessible to us. Well, it's, it's also not like there hasn't been misinformation to these audiences before. People are low information. It's revealing a crisis of information literacy, uh, and like, let's deal with that, and not assign the CEO of Google the responsibility of deciding ultimately what we consume. It's true. I would also argue, too, it's hard not to come to this argument without acknowledging the fact that so many of the platforms that you're talking about, uh, there's a lot of hateful stuff towards women. Like, so much. So much of what Twitter's not doing means not protecting every single female user of the app itself. And that's really hard to contend with because it's like, okay, so free speech but if all the hate speech or majority hate speech is making sure that a single group of people or multiple smaller groups of people, uh, you know, niche, whatever, means that they won't use the technology, the stuff at all. I don't know. It's you're alienating this huge group. Um, I th- yeah, I and think it's a, only centered towards them. Honestly, I think a, a radical solution that might work is removing the like gamification of it. So like removing likes or removing even views, like so people can see how many views. Because it's like it becomes an echo chamber for a reason. Because people find like either whether it's a niche community, they're like, okay, I'm going to be an out and proud. Whether it's uh, you know an out and proud, great. That's like somebody's. Uh, transgender or gay or something like that, and they can finally be out, and that's great in a public way, and they have another gr- other group of people that enables them. But also, it's like, oh, other people have Nazi thoughts like I do. Like th- that also, like that sword cuts both ways. I think, beca- like if well, they start that to see a rea- the whole problem, yeah, doesn't it, it? Because yeah. you have that rarefied community that gives support to people who can't find it other places. Yeah. Um, which like, is certainly used is for good and bad. The case that we've talked about before, like the incel movement, is like totally that, and like the like they're the worst. Yeah, fucking uh, incel community. But they, I fucking can't with that. Like there are no women who have a hard time getting laid. Fuck yeah. you. And Fuck the whole, you. Yeah, and the whole thing was <laughs> that <wish>. also <laughs> that we Lenny and I were talking about how it's like those guys in another time would have just been like nerds and then like on the outskirts of a certain community or found a way to ingratiate themselves to a local community as opposed to just getting con- like an 18 year old who feels like a dork gets confirmation bias from other 18 right. year olds who are feeling alienated yes or yeah. no though yeah. I mean when I think about that specifically all I can think about um is like you know Elliot Rogers yeah murdering all of those women yeah I was it all women he were? I thought it was like, or was I think just he accidentally people. shot. It was like a um, Andrew Cunanan thing where he was mostly killing ex-lovers of his, but he also killed a grave digger oh. uh, just yeah. by necessity. I think that Elliot Rogers did shoot someone. It yeah. was a male. Okay. It, it's that kind of thing where uh, you have 
I mean, that community existed before, like that sort of deeply entrenched misogynistic bullshit existed before the Internet. I mean, that's why Canada has such strict gun policy, Yeah, yeah. specifically because of an event where a guy had a manifesto about how much he hated women and he shot up. Um, uh, I think it was a university in Montreal. Oh, geez. But that was in the 80s. Yeah. You know, that was that was fully maybe maybe even the late 70s. Well, I'm coming to this without all the facts, but well, yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, it <laughs> well, I think we'll it, it, something horrible happened, and they created a policy solution to address it. I can't imagine a version of this country that does that. Exactly, <laughs> but um, that's yeah. that's what's so hard about this. It's like, and and that community for you know on on the flip side, like I'm saying, you know, where you have these women who are lonely and they're looking for people to support them. They don't. The end of that is not somebody walking in and. Yeah. fucking murdering all these no. dudes i think also that like we can pretty much acknowledge that just men are dangerous <laughs> as a well, species I like we also <laughs> if yeah. anything oh, yeah i agree about yeah. the shooting movement has taught us anything it's it's um well the the confirmation i think the other thing that i was going to say is that what we have to move and this is more of like you can't quantify this but it's like I think our base setting is confirmation bias. It's like why Rush Limbaugh is popular is because it's convincing people what they already believe is the truth, even if it's not the truth, right? So it's like what they want to believe is the truth, according to Rush Limbaugh, and it becomes like a circle, circular reference. Whereas those of us, like us in this room, who are, I think our default setting might be skepticism as opposed to just confirmation bias. And granted, I probably have my own confirmational blind spots, but like is that I'm like, okay, when somebody gives me information, I'm understanding that this I'm hearing this information from this but point of view but and I trust that certain people have vetted it to a certain point and I'm, I'm putting some trust in others to relay the information to me in a way that's reliable but sure yeah. I, I 100% agree and I think that we shouldn't pretend like getting a majority of people to that point is impossible we all understand that literacy for example the ability to read is like a national good I think that the, all we're, all, the only difference between being an idiot who believes everything you see online and being able to have some critical thinking is education. Uh, you have to understand, like, have some experience with dispelling things that you previously thought. Like, once you kind of cross that threshold as a human, you understand what it's like to change your opinion on something, uh, to gain new experiences, whatever. Like, you know, getting, getting a, a critical mass of the population, or at least the vocal population, to that point is not impossible. It's important to remember that we're in this, and this kind of addresses the like idea that a lot of women are being targeted too, and like it fundamentally is there. There, it is not safe online for a lot of people. Um, but I think that another way to look at that is like we're getting an unfiltered view of our collective id that we've never gotten before in history, and being able to have an authentic view of that is instructive, and it does I think lead to. Um, possible remedies. For example, I always say that I had no idea how legitimately racist this society was until I started looking at YouTube comments. Yeah. And you realize they're all horribly, ra you know, racist and sexist. And like, you know, like realizing that that element is there gives credibility when people claim that it's there. Um, and it, it could be rendered as empowering those those voices. I think it's showing that they exist and then you start to be able to contend with why why is this here what is the thing that can uh kind of solve all this and it, you start to talk about the sort of beliefs and stuff that you want to change in society in a much more practical way 
I don't know. I Yes, definitely to some degree. But I also would say that so much of what you see on the internet is predicated on the idea that you're anonymous. Yeah. So yeah, you I'll have t- these yeah. people who, you know, walk into the internet, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for lack of a better way to describe it, and who think, this isn't who I am, but it's who I feel like being today. I'm angry or I'm sad, and I'm going to act out in a specific way that I know will garner a reaction. Yeah. And trying to parse what part of that is reality and what part of that is um, a 15-year-old boy who learned a slur last week yeah, and yeah. is like, I'm just going to test it out. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is. And also, I would say, too, on your point about like uh, the news and trying to have a critical thought and critical thinking, it's not even so much trying to educate uh, people our age, but it's such a generational problem of our parents and our grandparents not understanding that, uh, you know, it's not Walter Cronkite. It's not objective journalism anymore. You can't watch one channel and hear the same thing that you're going to hear on another channel. And and also Walter Cronkite, you know, we, he's noble to some degree. He said we couldn't win Vietnam, but I, I would rather go through the social pains of figuring out how to live in a world where he's not the only source you have, you know, like I don't trust, I would rather get to the point where we're, interacting directly with primary sources instead of just trusting what the man on the TV says and then we all feel like we're informed for the day. Um, like well, that's sure, but the fact that like they don't, there is a level of absolute disbelief at uh, and that there is editorializing and that there is, I don't know, channel to channel um, ideological shift. That's a huge issue. But you know, I, uh, you know, it's funny, you talked about this a little bit in, oh, really? uh, yes, you did in the first episode. Oh ever boy, of this we only podcast. have cool. we only have three Hold topics. Yeah. Um, no, you were talking about your um, you were talking to your dad about Bill O'Reilly, uh, and yeah. he had gotten kicked off, you know, for being the piece of shit that he is. Yes, and you had told him you had talked to him about how uh, he wasn't on the air anymore and why he wasn't on the air, and your dad had said something like, "No, we share the same values," and you were like, "How could you think that? He's done all these things." Yeah, and he was like, "Where did you hear that?" Yeah, exactly. Because he'd never heard of it before. Because of course, Fox News wasn't saying jack. Right, about he just it. disappeared one day, and they they weren't going to be like, "Yeah, oh, he just retired. That was it." Like, and I was over and I'm like, I, which is crazy to me because my dad is not a dumb person. Like right. he's a, like, but he, so that's why it was hard to reconcile. And there is that like kind of that confirmation bias that I was talking about before is that Bill O'Reilly is a Catholic, Irish Catholic guy from Long Island sure. so my, who, you know, went to Chaminade, like, you know, not that different of an upbringing that I had even to growing up in Westchester, going to a Catholic school an all boys Catholic school. So it's like. These people just serve, like, and I mean, Bill O'Reilly also has, like, John Mulaney talked about it in Comedians Getting Cars with Coffee, where it's like, he even confirms himself, where he's like, they said they didn't lie. They did lie! Like, they, they <laughs> kind, like he kind of, like, talks to, he has a conversation with himself about, like, they said they had weapons. They didn't have weapons. Yeah, just <laughs> like other stand-up guys, like Robert Durst. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I you know, killed them all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did with all those fucking killing books. Yeah. Can you imagine a de- like a liberal <laughs> Paul Krugman coming out with killing Jesus? <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I had a oh my god! I don't know if I should tell the story. I you can think about I it. have can, a yeah. familial connection to somebody who, in the midst, right pre O'Reilly getting kicked off the air, um, I was <laughs> sitting in a room full of my. I don't know if I can talk about that. But essentially, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But essentially, they started. uh, I heard um, my 
talking about how fantastically written Killing JFK was. So well written. And I was like, what are you talking about? And even if I, you know, I've never read anything he's written. Maybe maybe his prose is beautiful. It's, 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 ghost, it's ghost written, too. <laughs> of course he wrote, it's ghost written. Yeah, like, I know that it's bad. My friend who, like, doesn't read, but like is like a, he like is an idiotic conservative, and he he said even it was like unreadably bad. It was, it I'm was sure, good. but she literally she's saying this to him, and uh, and is like, you do have to believe all this shit. Yeah, <laughs> but um, slow he, down, Papa John. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, he was like, oh, well, you know, I never knew how awful JFK was to women. Oh, jeez. And I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And of course, at that point, I said, are you kidding me? Which is the first thing yeah, yeah. you should not say in a room full of conservatives <laughs> as yeah. the only person. Well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, well, uh, how about you be outraged over the person who is actively hurting women right now? Yeah, yeah, like the guy yeah. who you just supported by purchasing that book. Yeah. And they were like, oh, cat, but it's so well written. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I stopped engaging I mean Bill O'Reilly Woody Allen these are artists who I appreciate them despite their right there you go can't you separate the art can't you separate the art from the artist no they're stuck together unfortunately is it because in all of his movies he's trying to fuck an underage girl (laughs) yeah I know oh my god one of them being Ernest Hemingway's granddaughter Mariel Hemingway that's the worst one it's in Manhattan and she's a 16 year old girl and they say it in the movie she's like she's 16 I don't know my parents yeah Um, and you know it's still a good movie though (laughs) (laughs) dear god you know what though Meryl Streep, smoke show. Yeah, she's she, great. Oh she's man, movie? those movies. Yeah, oh yeah, oh, yeah. she's, she's gorgeous. Wife. Yeah, the hot ex-wife oh, yeah, who leaves right. him for a woman. She looks which, great. Which, by the way, really typifies how I feel about her in every way. Nice. She just like exemplifies everything wonderful, and yeah. she literally is a lesbian who leaves him. Nice. That's beautiful. That was back when she was married to John Cazale. Probably no. It was they were married for five minutes because he died so fast. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> Bill, no, next, Bill O'Reilly's next book is <laughs> Killing <laughs> John Cazale. <laughs> um, All right, let's let's move on to a lighter topic. because right. like, I want to a we want to hear about Cat and Breen's podcast. Okay, but should we also then? I can, can I just say one one thing and then yeah. I, 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 I I'm gonna ring the, the stuff over. The, okay, bring the stuff over. Yeah. Too. The, the last thing I want to say is um, on the topic of. Uh, um, actually, I'll say two things. One, Caitlin Flanagan, uh, who was mostly loathed on the left, wrote an article about JFK's mistreatment of women, and he was uh, he, he was pretty much defended by like left leaning like professors and stuff who wrote in who were like feminist professors at the University of Albany or whatever, and you know they said that like what you know what he did for civil rights outweighed his personal mistreatment, which I which Caitlin Flanagan made a compelling point that it didn't. Anyway, um, but also that if you want to talk about like the pernicious influence of info wars and stuff on democracy or, or our society. What's way worse is the coordinated moneyed influence that Fox News has had uh, over the course of decades to sow mistrust, spread a corporatist agenda. That is, and it's a lot of it's using truth. There's an old journalistic canard that propaganda has, it doesn't have to do with veracity, it has to do with intent, right? You can use facts to, set, to sow um, insidious propaganda. And Fox does that. They also overtly lie. And um, that is, I think, way, way, way more of a problem than like something that's transparently false, which essentially you're never going to do away with. It was a lie in my family. This is how, when I lost trust in the faith, like in both media and my family members, where 
one of my, my aunt kept convincing me that our grandfather had did, did the design for Fruit of the Loom, and then I looked into <laughs> it when that when I was an adult, to, and it's pretty like verifiable kind of thing that you can do now. I was like, we're definitely not related to that guy. <laughs> Wouldn't you be super duper rich? Uh, that's what you think, right? Uh, yeah. You want to hear a sad story? Oh uh, yes. Yeah. My grandpa almost invested in Disney, but then he didn't. Uh, Actually, did it was my great grandpa. He just Warner Brothers. It. He Maybe. just he fucking skipped it. Maybe he was oh, we friends also... with Jews and knew that he didn't want to support an anti-Semite. Oh, you man. know what? I hope so. But also, think about how cool my life would have been. <laughs> <laughs> but would have been one of the Waltons. <laughs> or let's do. Oh, well, let's. I would. Let's hear Cat's pitch for yeah. their podcast, and then we'll talk about. Or like what you guys are thinking. Okay, so yeah. Set it up for her. So yeah. So now the whole. The this is a bit of a ceremonial torch passing, I guess, moment because a Cat, you're one of our favorite guests on the show and you emailed us about how you and our friend Caitlin Breen are interested in potentially starting a podcast and you came to us and we felt like, wow, we are so flattered that we're, <laughs> this is our first consulting gig, uh, <laughs> as podcast consultants. We've, we've grown up as just mere regular podcasters and are now consulting people that are new to the game. It's true. So I, we're curious to hear. So you, you, I think it's great that you, a, you guys want to start a podcast, but then <laughs> We're, now we're curious to hear what what the idea is or what the what you what you're curious about in the podcasting world. Sure. So there's plenty that I'm curious about. I mean, execution alone, there's mm-hmm. a lot that goes into this, right? I mean, there's audio recording. Uh, there's certainly <laughs> that editing. There's uh, <laughs> there's how much preparation you feel like you need to do. How much? I don't know. There's a lot of sort of nuanced things mm-hmm. to the to the whole operation. How to sit properly, hold your microphone. Ooh, that that's kind of thing. I'm gonna sit on the floor. I'm gonna sit in Seamus' <laughs> bed. This is fun. Now I feel a little weird. I'm you're empowered. You're above. You. You're above us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're um, the queen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is actually nice. This is I good. Yeah, this is nice the whole time. I, I, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Kayla and I have been friends since we were kids, mm-hmm. and so we spend the majority of our time together anyway. And we were talking about how much more productive we could make um, the fact that we sit around and talk to each other all the time. Mm. Um, and one of the things we were thinking about is the fact that uh, Caitlin is a deeply fearful person. Interesting. She is afraid of almost everything yeah. at any given time. She is, is, yeah. she is hyper aware. And, and that lends itself to a whole host of neuroses. Yes, I can believe And it's that. funny. Yeah. I'm, you know, the two things, the two fractured things of uh, separate people come yes. together and make a hinge. So all the things that she's worried about, I'm less worried about. And all the things I'm worried about, she's less worried about. And we were talking about um, how interesting, I don't know, we, uh, how interesting and how easy it is to be afraid of things and not know sort of the root cause or how that anxiety plays out in society and modern culture specifically pop culture uh part Mm, of the reason (laughs) part of the reason that uh we have to do that that way is because caitlin has a really important regular job which means she has to be completely apolitical in every way Mm. and um so much of what we have in common these days you know we have a shorthand and so much of it is around pop culture around the Mm. same things that we think of and we look at every day so Essentially, our podcast would be about uh, fear from the small to the super big and sort of how it plays out 
around us. Interesting. So, so it con- it's essentially uh, confronting your fears and anxieties via the medium of podcasting. Exactly. Nice. Very cool. <laughs> well, your first mistake is having any kind of focus. <laughs> according, to the, according to the Infinity License theme, uh, our, having yeah, the a Infinity friend License playbook is a good start. Says, yeah, <laughs> but says, that's also the last step. <laughs> have Make sure you have a friend that has more or less aligning political views to you, but differs on enough things that you can have a conversation about it. But also, make sure you have circular conversations nonstop about those kind of things. <laughs> that go nowhere. Well, I'll tell you this. It's hard to have uh, some of the, the toughest conversations with Caitlin because she is extremely aware of the law uh, and as a person who has not read the constitution in full but nope. as a person talking to someone who has and was required to and then tested on it uh, it's tough yeah interesting <laughs> the back the back third correct. of it is pretty much you can skip it it's like <laughs> <laughs> In case the Connecticutians decide to secede, invoke Article Seven, <laughs> which would be which is great because you're both Connecticut. What, what is the Connecticutioners? It's actually it's it's a Connecticutian Connecticutter. Uh, nutmeggers, nutmeggers, yeah. yeah, nutmeg state. Yeah, there you go. The Constitution state or the nutmeg state. That's right. Mm-hmm. Do you got a tree? Did you ever see that tree? Oh yeah, the the Constitution Oak or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they stuck it in the tree just to hide it for a little bit, but then they came back to get it. <laughs> it's Such a really con- typical to Connecticut, Connecticut move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hiding stuff in trees. Like all of our emotions. <laughs> yeah. Lock oh it up. wow, that's true. <laughs> Lock, Lock it up. It up. <laughs> Lock the emotions up. Listen, uh, you know you're from New England when you look at everything that could possibly give you pleasure with a real healthy skepticism. Nice. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's we deal with fear by. Uh, so often by circumventing the actual problem and by addressing all these other things and it creates a pretty wild circumstances. All right. So that's, I mean, so is that, so again, that comes back to the theme of confronting it. I guess confront that maybe we should be examining these things that even ourselves avoid. Yeah. Also the way I've said this is if it's going to be really serious, but Caitlin and I uh, very rarely have actual serious conversations. So it'd be like a rational conversation. Well, why don't you guys talk about a little bit, I mean, for my own knowledge, what exactly about the podcast has completely changed? What did you stop doing entirely from the beginning to now? Good question. Is there anything? I don't think there has been that much that's changed. I mean, I don't th- like m- I'll just speaking for myself. I don't think that I've gotten any better at articulating myself uh, since the beginning of it. I think you have. I don't think I have. But ultimately, I think that like what has been kind of cool has been the emergence of like themes of things that we talk about. So we have this recurring theme of. Like the Andrew Cuomo, you know, like Cynthia Nixon, for example. Like yeah, Brian's cool. a big Cynthia yeah. Nixon fan. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, being able to longitudinally touch on an issue um, ha- after having a dispatch, you know, a couple weeks ago on it was cool. Like the emergence of that. But in terms of like the production of the show, literally nothing is, I mean, w- yeah, the, the nothing like that has changed. I think that it was empowering in some ways because it, it was empowering even though we know we have this is just a DIY podcast that we're doing ourselves with a very limited audience and that kind of stuff. It did empower, like related to the Cynthia Nixon stuff. We're like, why don't we just go, why, why don't we go to these events and bill ourselves as podcasters and talk to people? Like it kind of gives us an entryway to talk to, to have a conversation, whether it's people coming to our place and having conversations like this or just going out in the world and having a con- like giving us more of a reason to initiate a conversation totally. with somebody. So. Yeah, using the cover of having a podcast is amazing. I mean, like, I probably wouldn't have met you, really. You know, I w- I've met you privately, like Brian's things, but, um, you know, I wouldn't have, like, had conversations with you. Uh, the best example is Robbie Kabbalah, 
Uh, oh, yeah. And Chris McColl, you know, two people from my past, essentially, who uh, came out because, uh, you know, like I, I had was able to connect with them more because of uh, under the auspices of a podcast. Yeah. That was awesome. I don't know. I don't know if we got any. I think we did get better at it, even though you don't think so, Lenny. I think we did get better at not saying the same uh, the same thing over and over. Nah, no, I don't think we. I don't think we improved. <laughs> but, but yeah. are you still having fun? Yeah, totally. It's definitely the ones. Yeah, I think there's. It's funny. I had to. I stopped listening back to them for. A while. I even I would let myself get some separation from them and then listen back to them. So, because I, I realized that if I listened to an episode again, to like critique myself, but it was too close to the recording. Then I would just be like, I, w- I would be mad at myself. But then if I gave myself a month, then it was a lot easier to be kind of objective and like learn, oh, this is what I was trying to say, or I was trying to say this better, or I like what the way I said that, that kind of stuff. So I think I would, if you're going to listen back to them, I would say give yourself a little bit of space on it. Yeah, that's a huge fear of mine. Yeah. Listening to myself at all. I actually, uh, when you guys <laughs> put up the, <laughs> the last one I was on, yeah. um, I found out because uh, Kate, our, our mutual friend yeah. Kate had um, did an Instagram story of herself listening to it oh, and yeah, tagged me in it. Yeah. And I had a full-blown panic attack <laughs> because I, hadn't, I couldn't remember for the life of me anything that I said and was like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> the only faux pas uh, from that episode from you was lauding three billboards, which I saw and was only okay. <laughs> That's fair enough. Can I tell you, actually, the worst thing that I did on your podcast was I talked about sexism in Hollywood and then made a sexist joke. I, I said nice. something that was totally sexist. I was like, I talked about how great Greta Gerwig's success was. And then I was like, I guess that's what you get yeah. when you date Noah Bomba, uh, like a fucking yeah, asshole. Yeah. And I heard it and was like, oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. The irony. Yeah, that's <laughs> certainly no grains of truth to that one. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just was one of those things where I was like, wow, I really, that was just, that was the most hypocritical. And that was quick, you know, right on top of it. We can all, we can all agree, by the way, that uh, based on her output of one movie and his output, she's better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd agree with that. She's got still lovely. She's like, she's like got a she's oh, batting a thousand amazing. right now. She's like yeah. that case where it's the beginning of the season and she's one for one. You know, she's like, a, she's a Bo Burnham. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do we have any plan for how to land this episode? I was just going to see where it was going to go. I would say that, yeah, I think so. I think what was the most interesting thing to me, and I think we found ways to reconcile it, is just how different. Yeah, I think you you and I had similar visions for this, and also very different visions at the beginning. I kind of just wanted a platform to talk about whatever, right. and you had a much more pointed, like serious, yeah. like kind of thing. Whereas, like, so I think that both of our, per- I think it was more learning about my working style, and then it's not really related to podcast, but it's more over the, me understanding my relationship to working on a project with a friend like this. I think so. it is. I think it is, uh, and th- I think this was also true for anyone else doing a podcast. Is like we did have very different ideas of format. Like, I. You wanted to use this podcast as like a platform to express specific takes, you know, like hot take opinion, like here's what I'm full of piss and vinegar about today and I'm going to tell you my opinion and um, be like very pointed with it and essentially like verbal articles. Like I used to write, you know, like equally disseminated, which is to say not um, politics articles, you know, and uh, like this is my version of that. And I've been able to use this as an outlet to like get across theories that I've had and stuff. Brian has always been much more like, 
let's have a conversation. Let's let it be organic and like sound like two people hanging out. And um, I think that the our those sort of different desires have ended up being uh, generating a pretty interesting sounding um, mix because we've tended to have episodes that were like me episodes and episodes that were Brian episodes. Um, and generally that fluctuated based on who the guest was. Like we've had a number of comedians come on or like your episode was much more, you know, free flowing. You know <laughs> well, what I mean? I know, <laughs> I know what I want my topic to be. So I guess, uh, when it comes down to the execution, we'll see how it goes. Well, so you guys have like, so you, like Lenny said, you have chemistry cause you and Brain have been friends since your kids. And obviously you're both really funny people. Then I, I'm biased cause I'm friends Thanks. with both of you. I'm friends with both of you, but for a reason, <laughs> because you're fun and funny people to hang out with and talk to and have interesting perspectives. So that's one, you got that down, have good rapport. I think you'll probably be focused on others, but like, it's like, what do you want to get out of it? It's like, it's my question. So I don't know. I, I'm going to try and sort of hold off on this sort of ruthlessly ambitious part of me. That's like, if I'm going to fucking do something, I want it to be like a big deal, mm-hmm. but that's sort of, that's not only unrealistic, but it's also not necessarily, uh, what is a big deal? Right. I guess for me, I just want to have a good time and I want to feel like I can make something and accomplishing that is enough for me. I think that was, that was what we did. And it, feels okay i think you should try to market it more than we did yeah. yeah you could definitely i mean you're like funny enough um that if you tried to put some effort behind marketing where we, we put like zero um you could it could go somewhere i mean totally like yeah. you could be the new caller girlfriend i think we had similar ambitions but then at the end we were just kind of like okay let's just do this we were account- <laughs> kind of what i was talking about before seamus god damn it he's like tearing his bed apart hey <laughs> Wouldn't be an episode without me yelling at Seamus. <laughs> um, but uh, we we just like wanted to achieve a goal. We set out to do it. That's why I think we're kind of happy here that we actually set out and did it. So many people say to themselves, like, let's have a podcast, but never actually do the work of executing on it. So I think even though we have a very small audience, that kind of stuff, I think I'm very proud of us for just doing it and actually go- seeing it. And through. it's been a lot of fun. Like, yeah, and we had a great time. So much yeah. fun doing it. There yeah. were so many cool conversations we had. And honestly, we didn't get to hang out as much you previous before to this. that yeah and like we would always do that and we're like okay we need we both i think realized we needed a thing to for, force us to hang out and that yeah. was like a, a great thing about the podcast but you guys are roommate you and Brian are roommates so that's a little bit more <laughs> it's <laughs> convenient really yeah that might actually serve you guys really well because that was part of the barrier was just like us like actually having to logistically organize and get together uh, <laughs> every week yeah. yeah but uh but yeah well anyway thanks guys Thank Kat, thank you so much. We're looking forward to just invading your Astoria <laughs> podcast zone because <laughs> we assume that you're going to have us on as guests. Yes, yeah, so you have to have us on. Yeah, and you better start plumbing those fears, gentlemen. Oh man, <laughs> every day this is a nightmare. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, so before we sign off, uh, we have one more episode left after this. It's going to be a recording of the live event. Um, it's going to be something that, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, Brian and I were talking, and Nate and Sarah, were talking about how cool it would be to have, like, a Gertrude Stein-style party with, like, Truman Capote talking with, like, one of the Beatles and stuff. And um, this is essentially the version of that that we could put together. You heard it, folks. Paul McCartney's going to be at our <laughs> party. He might be. <laughs> and if not him, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Carl. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, of Suicide City fame. And uh, yeah, so it's been a ton of fun doing this. And uh, I think we're probably going to like do record some episodes in the future. But for now, this is like the official end of like the run. Uh, and of the like, first season of, of The first season. Yeah. Of we'll probably do this again when we're dads yeah. or something. Is that brief? 
It's got to be. Okay, great. Good timing. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, Lenny, plug the uh, plug the the location again one more time. Yeah. So uh, while Brian gets the door, uh, we will see you guys on Sunday uh, <laughs> on Saturday, August eighteenth, uh, at the Nest slash Bluebird on Flatbush Avenue. Uh, free admission. Uh, it, if you've been on the podcast uh, and you have a plus one, we will give you a wristband for uh, open bar from seven. Uh, 8 p.m. We're going to have uh, some comics go on, and then it's going to be the last episode. So, uh, Kat, thank you for joining us, and uh, good luck going forward caring for your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me.